From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. This is the Freeman Report with James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Hello and welcome to the Freeman Report, which puts the world's leading scientists, doctors, politicians and expert commentators right at the heart of today's news talk and our fight for freedom, liberty and justice. It is Thursday, the 15th of February, 2024. Um <laughs> 2024, it seems like it just started yesterday and we're already halfway through February. Absolutely crazy. Of course, my name is James Freeman and on today's Freeman Report, I'll be joined by Dr. Tess Laurie and Shabnam Mohammed, who are both from the World Council for Health. They both are steering committee members of the organisation. So Dr. Tess Laurie will be telling us about her fight with the British General Medical Council, which is threatening to remove Tess from its register. And from Shabnam, we'll be um, hearing about the signs that the WHO is getting desperate. And also the really important question, which I wasn't aware of, but apparently new research shows and questions whether actually we are actually a member of the WHO in the first place, um, the legal status of how the WHO was formed and our membership of it is definitely in question. So we'll be talking about all of that after our breaking story with Gemma Cooper in a moment. Now, what we are doing here at TNT to bring you the unfiltered truth is incredibly important on so many levels. I know that all of you get that. More and more people every day are waking up to how the legacy media is lying to the public and has been for years, which hasn't gone unnoticed by our governments and the media itself. Um, viewing figures for legacy news channels have plummeted and the sponsorship is starting to dry up. It is in large part the reason why we're suddenly seeing attempts to control the narrative by force via new laws such as the Digital Services Act in the EU and the Online Safety Bill in the UK. Even politicians are being attacked now for speaking outside of the official narrative. Um, Francesca Donato is an Italian MEP. She was on the show yesterday and she spoke about how MEPs who speak out um, against the narrative, who speak the truth in the parliament about the war in Ukraine, are being investigated by the EU Commission um, for potentially being Russian spies, believe it or not. Um, Francesca said, if you say things like Ukraine cannot win the war, which we all know is true, or other things that we know to be true, then you will be labelled a mouthpiece for Putin and people are being investigated. Um, absolute craziness um, and also very, very dangerous, as what it does highlight is the extent that they're going to hide the truth about what is going on. And next week, the world's eyes will be on the High Court in London for Julian Assange's two-day public hearing that takes place on the 20th and 21st of February. Make no mistake, this will be the litmus test for how far they're prepared to push things in the full gaze of the public. 
if they decide to extradite Julian to America for revealing the illegal acts that our governments were committing, then it will send a chill across the Western world that will confirm to everybody their intentions towards anybody that speaks truth to power. Yesterday, the Australian Prime Minister threw his weight behind a parliamentary motion calling for Julian to be released. Anthony Albanese um, voted in favour of the motion in Parliament's lower house, calling for the return of WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange to Australia, where he is a citizen. Now, the motion moved by independent lawmaker Andrew Wilkie was passed um, on Wednesday by 86 votes to 42. So pretty clear victory there after it was supported by the Labour government. Now, TNT will be broadcasting from the Royal Courts of Justice. We'll be covering the entire two days of proceedings next week. So please, please, please make sure you help us spread the word online. Tell your family and friends this is incredibly important. It's so important that people see what is going on. And in the run-up to next week's hearings, we will also see the London premiere of The Trust Fall, Julian Assange, that will be shown at Rio Cinemas this weekend. It's on Sunday, the 18th of February at 1pm. The film will be followed by a live panel discussion, and we're hoping that Stella Assange will be on that panel. If you want to find out more, and I do encourage you to do that, please Google the Trust Fall Julian Assange London premiere. There is loads of information online about the film and about the premiere. Now, as you know, TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what other stations only claim to do, uh, but in reality, they fail miserably. Um, we tell the unfiltered truth, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No other station in the world is doing what TNT is doing. We crisscross the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day and all night, seven days a week. Now, with more than 140 elections taking place this year and the march to war in full effect, 2024 will be a critical year in many respects for everybody around the world. It is therefore so important that TNT is able to continue calling out misinformation and propaganda being pumped out by the legacy media and their powerful sponsors. So, with this in mind, we're appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world to go to tntradio.live and make a small donation while we seek the right investors to continue our important work. News media has become something that everybody expects to get free. That's, that's what's happened over the sort of the last 15, 20 years. But ask yourself why that is. Because if you're not paying for it, then you are the product. TNT is different to other broadcasters. We don't bend to the narrative to suit our advertisers and sponsors, which means it is important that you help support us with whatever you can afford. So please go and do it right now while you're thinking about it. If you want to get in touch about 
anything on the show or to suggest a guest or maybe a topic that you want us to cover then email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live and as always if you want to join in the conversation um there's loads in the in the chat room right now get yourself over to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon my name is james freeman and this is the freeman report for today's news talk tnt it's the stuff. It's that division people are talking about. And that cluelessness that they want to push. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Good morning, Gemma. How are you doing today? Yes, very well, James. Very well, indeed. Yeah, the time time's ticking now ahead of the Julian Assange hearing in London. And it will be history in the making. It is history in the making. And of course, TNT are going to be there covering every step of the way and getting reaction on the ground from people to see whether, you know, whether kind of public opinion lies on this one, because we hear a lot about the courts. We hear a lot about the extradition possibility. We've heard from his lawyer who says that he's, you know, his mental health is not great. We've not heard from kind of canvassing opinion on the street of what people think about this story, which has received, you know, some coverage, some coverage in, in some mainstream outlets. Be interesting to canvas opinion on the ground and see how the how the lay of the land is next Tuesday and Wednesday here in the UK. Yeah, and like I said, this is so important. Um, obviously, there's a personal story with Julian, but the bigger picture for everybody around the world is this will be, like I said, a litmus test on how far they're prepared to go. Um, we've got these new laws in place. The world's eyes will be on London next week. Um, everybody who's, who knows about how important press freedom is. And I think if they extradite him, that is um, a sign of what is to come because they will be doing that with full, the full glare of the world on them. And I think if they do extradite it, him, it is a two fingers up at free speech around the world. We already know with these new laws that it's under attack. But I think if they do this, um, it will be a sign of things to come, definitely. Yeah, a red line moment, as in, watch out, this could be you. Yeah. As you've met, rightly pointed out on this show, and so have other commentators here on TNT, he hasn't actually committed any real crime. This is the problem, you know, and, and we, we have seen the clampdown on free speech since 2020 onwards, you know, at, at juggernaut pace. Uh, and bank accounts frozen and, and money with, withheld, all kinds of things globally, just to stop people having freedom of expression. It's a dangerous time to be alive, but it's an exciting time to be alive. But yeah, this will be a red line movement for press freedom, for individual freedom, uh, because it won't necessarily just apply to journalists. It may apply anyone mm, who expresses an yeah. opinion, anyone who then steps outside of narratives. If it can happen to politicians who are supposedly part of the system, if they're questioning policies, and being investigated, it will eventually trickle down to all of us, all of us, you know, every single man, woman and child will be questioning, you know, stick in line, or it could be you next, bum you know, bundled off in some weird oubliette somewhere and never seen again. It's perfectly possible. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we're fully aware of that at TNT because, you know, we're on the front line here in terms of getting the truth out. So um, this is why it's incredibly important um, right at the moment. You know, like I said, 2024 is going to be a huge year. If you're watching this, you need to help support us both by spreading the word, following us on social media, you know, sharing our posts, telling your friends and family about TNT. And also, if you can, help us um, um, with a donation as well so that we can help grow very, very quickly because it is a race that we're in this year. 
um, make no mistake, um, you know, these new new laws are in place. Um, they are going to start using them more and more. Um, and so it is a race to get TNT established on a global level um, and to grow. So we've got a huge audience so that when they do come for us, and I'm sure that they will, that we will be big enough to fight back and tell the public exactly what's going on. But it is, you know, this is coming. We're all aware of that. Yeah, oh, very well said. Well, another thing that's coming, and it's a breaking story that's actually come from Australia. It's fallen across my lap in the last half an hour. Uh, so it won't be it won't be new news to Australian people, but it's an indication here, I think, in the UK and globally. Again, this this story issues problems with a cashless society and the the dreaded central digital banking currencies that are mm. also on the horizon, which again, something that we didn't want, haven't asked for, but seems to be relentlessly pushed on us. And woe betide you if you question that, uh, which many, many people are. Uh, but in the last few hours, you know, many banks in Australia have been suffering with outages online, leaving hundreds of thousands of customers stranded and without access to services. Um, it affected Ubank, Beyond Bank, and Bank Australia, uh, all affected by this internet crash, which potentially left hundreds of thousands without access to their online digital bank services. And it was also affecting apps on phones as well. Uh, Ubank said, uh, as very, very quickly, it came out onto, onto channel saying it was very sorry, it was trying to resolve this issue. Um, it was urging, uh, weirdly, it was urging customers to call their um, contact centers, which are quite often automated as well. Anyone who tries to call their bank in the first 20 minutes, you're just spent waiting and pressing buttons, different departments, everything's robotic. But that's what the bank was all urging people to do, call their contact center uh, for urgent support and to also go on their main website page, which is all that was available to see the status. Uh, services did eventually restore themselves within the last few hours. Uh, all the banks apologized, but of course it's another cautionary tale of the dangers of digital money and centralized banking. And Australia, it seems, is becoming an increasingly cashless society because this happened last year as well. Commonwealth Bank last June in Australia, that their app failed last year. There was an internet outage which left customers stranded and unable even to draw money out at ATMs, unable to go to a physical ATM and get some physical cash out. There was just no access to money. Now, at the moment, we're hearing a few of these stories uh, and it's only out, uh, lasting for a few hours at a time. But if you're in the middle of a transaction, if you're transferring money, if you're paying off, uh, say, some credit card bills or some debts, you know how it is. You get everything is automated. You get codes on your phone. If you're in the middle of a transaction, they, they're very stressing. You know, don't refresh the page. Don't press the back button on your browser because the whole thing could crash or you could end up paying over the odds. You could pay two or three times. All the money can get lost. Um, so if you're in the middle of a very serious transaction and you have one of these outages, the, the implications are you could lose money. You end up paying double for something. Um, and, and this is global. This 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 whole push towards cashless is global. Uh, so I think it's a cautionary tale in Australia what happened over the last few hours, because, of course, it can happen anywhere, uh, anywhere at all. Yeah. And look, guys, this isn't financial advice, but um, I take out cash every week um, that I go to the, the shops now um, and always have some cash in the house. Um, obviously, don't take your life savings out and put it under the mattress because, you know, um, you don't want to invite people to come around. And also, you know, you never know, you might have a fire or something. Um, but it's all I think it is definitely worth having cash in the house um, and bringing and taking out cash on a weekly basis, even if it's a small amount. Um, you know, we've seen the campaign in the UK to um, to keep cash. And um, what we've seen is a, is quite a sharp reversal um, in the decline of cash use. 
And the bigger picture of this, as well as protecting yourself, so if you know this happens in the UK and the banks go down, at least you've got some cash, you can go to the shop and still use it. But regardless of that, what's what happens is it's making the case um, against cancelling cash um, because you know our governments can't get rid of it if lots of people are using it. Um, and what we've seen over the last, what, year, 18 months is quite a sharp reversal. And actually now the the, the growth, um, the use of cash is actually growing again. So yeah, definitely encourage everybody watching this um, to make sure you use cash. You know, even if you've got your card, just take out 50, 100 pounds, whatever, um, a week, a month, whatever you can afford and pay for cash in, in local services. Um, you will be doing yourself a favour and the rest of us um, by doing that. Absolutely. And, and you know, I just wonder what customers, uh, 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 the position they're in, say, if you're in the middle of a very serious transaction and you're you're waiting for some money or waiting for some money to come into your account. And, and because of these outages, there's glitches in the system uh, and it's suddenly digital figures, which aren't even really real, but they're important mm. to everybody. They, they suddenly get lost because it's a digital process and there's no there's no human tracking your interactions. It's everything is done by AI. Everything is done by the computer. Uh, one computer glitch could wipe out somebody's house purchase. You know, it, that, that, is, that is not unrealistic. And uh, it, it's, it's such a serious and pressing issue. But as you say, the pushback here in the UK, definitely the wonderful Keep It Cash mm. campaign spearheaded by Debbie Hicks, that's gained, gained huge momentum. And they've done wonderful work at outreach centers in towns and cities and had a very good response from the public. Yeah, there you go. That's the message for today, um, folks, is make sure you use cash even if it's a small amount every week whatever you can afford to do and spend it with local businesses if you can not the supermarkets um etc right thank you for that breaking a story Gemma. look forward to god it's friday already um tomorrow so look forward to another great story then um to the rest of you um today's show is all about the world council for health well um i've got two guests from the world council for health we're going to be talking about lots of things today um including dr tess Laurie's um fight with the general medical council in in the uk here over her license her doctor's license and we're going to have shabnam who's going to talk about the fact that we might not even be a member of the who there is a question mark over the legal status of how it was formed the who and whether we are an actual member so stay tuned for all of that in a moment on tnt tnt's jason Olborn. al gore can't get a single thing right and yet he gets another chance, for example, to uh, come out and tell us that if we don't do this, we're all gonna be dead. And yet now we're learning that uh, in Ireland, for example, they're gonna slaughter 200,000 cattle for the climate. I mean, aren't they doing it to us anyway, one way or another, whether we they pretend that we're heating up the world, we're all gonna burn out, or if we starve, isn't it the same result that, they, that they're setting out to do? Well, this has got nothing to do with climate. It's got nothing to do with the environment. Uh, this is a new scam and it's a case of follow the money. Al Gore has become a multi-billionaire from frightening, frightening people witless about a mythical climate change and if you only looked into the past you'd see that the variation that we're currently enjoying today is far less than previous variations. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk TNT. The top of the hour, we'll keep on top of the news. It's the most important thing we can do. On today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Right, okay, as I said, um, today is all about the World Council for Health. My first guest is Dr. Tess Laurie. Um, hello, Tess, and welcome back to the Freeman Report. 
Hello, James. Thank you so much for inviting me to speak with you today. Yeah, so Tess, um, um, we'll talk about the, the World Council for Health in a minute, but um, I was surprised to hear the other day, obviously we spoke on the phone last week, um, that you've got a, a bit of a fight going on with the General Medical Council in the UK. Tell us, what's, um, tell us what the issue is. James, in October last year, I sent a letter to the CEO of the General Medical Council to alert them to the fact that they have, um, they're in breach of their obligations to doctors and patients. And uh, and I and I let them know that I'd be withholding my monthly subscriptions until they'd rectified this breach. So um, you know, so what I I wrote is that I have grave concerns that the GMC is not acting in accordance with its legal obligations to protect the public and failing in its contractual obligations towards doctors. So they are required to act uh, in accordance with the law. And, uh, and in particular, I pointed out that the GMC has supported political decisions about the, uh, the appropriate response to the declared pandemic. In the letter, I also said, uh, reminded the GMC that, um, that it, it must abide by doctors' rights under the constitution and every doctor has a constitutional right to petition the king. And it gives the doctor uh, the legal right to dissent publicly regarding political health measures brought in by the government. And also um, that uh, the GMC must recognize doctors' human and legal rights uh, and, and protect patients too. So, you know, this includes not to intrude on doctors' professional judgment, um, not to interfere with the doctor-patient relationship, to uphold the right to free and informed consent, to respect and uphold patient confidentiality and to speak out if public health measures from government seek to interfere with these things. So all of this evidence suggests that the GMC has fundamentally breached its contract with doctors, but also undermined and breached its legal obligations to patients and the public by supporting the political narrative during COVID. Um, and uh, accordingly, I'm entitled to withhold further uh, for the payment of fees until the GMC rectifies this. So I let them know this. I, I sent this letter to the CEO. I never got a response, um, but I did get a request for payment and I replied to say I, I'm awaiting response. Um, no response has been forthcoming. And, uh, and now I've received a letter to say they'll erase my name from the register. Um, so it seems like the GMC is just a simple, you know, an unaccountable uh, body, just like all the others, unelected, unaccountable, doesn't represent doctors or the public. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, I'm not even sure that there are doctors in the GMC. It's, it's not a peer body that assesses, uh, uh doctors' fitness. Uh, and, uh, rather it seems to be, uh, uh, an authoritarian body that, uh, is mm -hmm. there to, to, um, to make sure doctors are following the orders, not their conscience. So that's, I, that's, that's quite shocking. So um, you wrote to them last year and, and you've had no response whatsoever. No, absolutely nothing, except from, you know, junior, uh, uh, I suppose, in, individuals involved in the subscription department saying, you know, you're behind on your subscriptions. Right. So just ignoring the whole issue, which is quite surprising because you are on the register. You are a member of the GMC. Now, um, I did actually write um, to them um, last week, Tess, after our, our meeting. Um, I'm just going to pull up that um, email. And they did get back to me. Um, 
They said, we won't be issuing a comment and we won't be putting anyone up onto the show because I did invite them to come on the show um, in order to defend themselves. Um, and she said, for background, um, she said, the GMC is independent of government and the professionals it regulates and is accountable to the UK Parliament. Now, that's 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 quite interesting because that's kind of suggesting, look, you know, we're not accountable to you. We're not accountable to doctors. We're accountable to politicians. It's quite a political statement, isn't it? Yes, I, I'm actually shocked to hear that, that they would openly acknowledge that because their duty is towards doctors. It's a professional body and patients. You know, they have uh, contractual obligations towards doctors and patients. And so they are in breach of these. The way, uh, if they are accountable to politicians um, and yeah. our politicians are, you know, um, then then it, it, it's, uh, it's certainly um, eye-opening, I think, for doctors and for the public to, to comprehend this and then uh, to realize that we're dealing with a political body. We're not dealing with a, a health professional body. Um, and we're not, um, you know, we're, we're not uh, basing medical practice on the actions to do no, the, the promise to do no harm, the Hippocratic Oath, uh, which seems to have been replaced um, by the General Medical Council by a list of rules and regulations that can be adapted to suit the political narrative. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm just going to read that again because I, I do think it's really important. So, so for background, the GMC is independent of government. Um, I mean, that doesn't surprise me because basically, you know, the government is a political party which changes um, each each you know after each election. Um, it's independent of government and the professionals it regulates. So it's independent of them and is accountable to the UK Parliament. And of course, we all know what their position is on COVID. We've had the Prime Minister stand up and say that the COVID vaccines are safe and effective still. I was quite shocked to see Rishi Sunak on GM, GB News the night um, saying uh, that saying to the 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 individual who who pointed out that uh, many people were suffering from side uh, from harms and injury from the COVID vaccines, I was shocked to hear him say, "Oh well, we were just following following what the doctors were telling us. They weren't following what the doctors were telling us." Uh, especially, I mean, I know that from personal experience because I've been trying to share information to help the public and inform policy uh, that would protect the public uh, in in the in the face of this um, absolutely unregulated novel uh, experimental vaccine industry. Um, and uh, and I've been totally ignored. But to hear it, but to hear. Uh, the General Medical Council saying now that um, that uh, in actual fact they're accountable to Parliament and and the politicians or P Prime Minister saying well they're just listening to the doctors just shows you that there's nobody who at the end of the day the way the system is set up is set up that nobody uh, takes the, the is accountable or takes the blame or responsibility for what uh, has gone on in the past four years and doctors should beware because it's the the politicians at the end of the day are going to point fingers at them. It's not going to point, they're not going to point fingers at the General Medical Council or the MHRA. They're going to say, oh, well, we were just doing what the doctors, or in actual fact, it was the doctors who were carrying out these policies and they should have told us if they were seeing uh, adverse reactions. So, you know, we you can see um, the system is set up to hold um, the, the, the lowly to account, but not these authority, authority bodies that uh, have been set up to protect um, 
public-private partnerships and uh, and governments. Yeah, and what you're saying there, Tess, is really important because, um, as I said, you know, um, Rishi Sunak is implying that we're just following what the doctors told us. And the GMC, which is accountable to Parliament as per their statement, um, has actually been, um, you know, striking off doctors and and basically trying helping to censor doctors. We know countless doctors which are under pressure from the GMC because of complaints um, about what they've said um, online um, and, and what, you know, what what their message is which we which we know is true um you know they're yeah. saying things which are founded in peer-reviewed studies and, and that kind of thing so there is this circular mechanism isn't there um which yes, and, is kind of it, passing the buck and in actual fact it's not ethical so it circumvents ethical decision making because if one is if the the medical if doctors are dependent on politicians to tell them what they can do well we all know uh you know that politicians do not have uh, the the greatest um uh, uh reputation for morals i think decisions. is the word yeah. <laughs> yeah so so this is where we are and the public really needs to be aware and what we're seeing is that is a collusion between the General Medical Council and the MHRA, uh, and their, their, you know, and the MHRA is eighty-six percent funded by the pharmaceutical industry. So it's also mm. it's a it's a, a drug enabler, a drug pusher, rather than a protector of the public, a public watchdog. And we're seeing the same thing with the General Medical Council, and the two are working together uh, uh, to um, to uh, obfuscate not only the vaccine injuries, but to continue to push dangerous uh, experimental injections on the public and uh, and gaslight the public because you know just uh, this morning I, I had my hair blow dried for this uh, for a series of interviews I have today and the young woman who did the the thing uh, who did who did the thing she she said well you know I, I it didn't feel right it didn't feel right and she'd been suspicious all along she'd had two. But uh, she was made to feel like it was in her best interests, and uh, she said none of it made sense. And I think so many among the public are feeling this now. It didn't make yeah. sense back then. It doesn't make sense now that COVID suddenly disappeared, but they still push all these boosters on everybody. Uh, you know, come for your shot. It's safe during pregnancy. They say the most terrible things. Uh, and, and I think the public really is realizing they've been lied to. And we have to hold these bodies like the General Medical Council to account. We certainly do. Um, we need to go to the news headlines now, Tess, but stay where you are because um, I want to talk more about um, the WCH, the World Council for Health, and what you're up to at the moment. So um, we're just going to take a quick break, but stay where you are right here on TNT. Rolling. TNT Radio News. This is news. Here we go. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. During the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl victory parade, a shooting occurred at Union Station just moments after team members, including Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, had left the stage. Two gunmen were involved in the incident, resulting in at least one fatality and 15 injuries. The U.S. intelligence community, including the CIA, allegedly engaged foreign intelligence agencies of the Five Eyes Alliance to spy on Trump associates before the 2016 election. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
Right, Natas, let's start with, um, I know that Nick um, from the World Council of Health is going to come on the show uh, in a couple of weeks when all the details are uh, settled about what you're going to be doing this year instead of the Better Way conference. Um, but I know that you've got an idea on what you want to do this year. You want to do something a bit different. Give us an idea or a flavour of what, what you're planning this year. Yes, yeah, so well, just for those who don't know, in the last two years, we held Better Way conferences, which were solutions-focused conferences, which were uh, not medical, but rather invited everybody uh, and, uh, and uh, members of the public. And we discussed things like uh, environmental challenges. We discussed uh, the consequences of COVID, how to improve science, uh, uh, the integrity of science, the integrity of journalism, and so on, and the law. Um, but but this year, we and that's an amazing repository of, of work that people can still access on betterwayconference.org or betterwayevents.org. You can view all of that, those great panel conversations. But this year, what people really need is to optimize their health, uh, particularly mm -hmm. as more and more people are becoming really concerned about having taken this, they're learning that the injection, the vaccine that was promoted widely was experimental. It didn't have the evidence. And many people are getting sick. Many people are aware that there's a family member who's become ill, members of the, of the family and friends who have died. And so people are rightfully worrying about this. And uh, so we're there really this year to say, um, don't worry, rather take action. There are things you can do to optimize your health and reduce the risk of getting sick. Um, and these include uh, steps to detox and boost the immune system. So I do have to say that, um, you know, it's it, one cannot guarantee uh, that that individuals are not going to get sick and one doesn't want to give false hope to people. But there certainly are ways that we can all start um, what I call work on, on 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 what has been spoiled and start and improve our health so that we uh, we're in the best position possible to um, you know to not get sick when um, either from the either from these vaccines or from whatever uh, is coming because you may be aware they're talking about pandemic X or disease X. Um, you know, that is a that is another kettle of worms altogether because, you know, how on earth they can say there's a there's a disease X coming, but we don't know what it is, but it's very uh, dangerous and going to kill lots of people is just absurd. But uh, the point is that there seems to be an agenda to, um, you know, to to make us ill one way or the other. And we need to be on top form. So we will be holding this year. A detox fair and a number of detox fairs around the country and around the world. Um, our country council partners in other countries will be holding detox fairs too on a similar template, as Nick will explain more. Uh, and this will be opportunities for members of the public, whether you're uh, vaccinated or not vaccinated, you just want to optimize your health in view of all the, the various um uh, uh, pollutants that are that are affecting our health. Um, to um, to come and and listen, ask questions. We'll have panels of doctors and other health professionals to answer questions in an open forum. And um, we'll have uh, exhibitors who will um, who will have um, uh, and and health practitioners who will who will hold workshops and so on. So it's very much focused on let's get well, let's optimize our health. What can we do to um, to make sure that we don't get COVID, to make sure we don't get ill from the jabs? and to make sure that uh, we're in the best physical uh, state going forward so that uh, we can take responsibility and control of our health and not outsource it 
to health professionals uh, and uh, even doctors who might not um, be aware that um, the vaccines are causing harm, etc. Yeah, and of course, Tess, I think it's important to say, isn't it, this isn't just, you know, popping vitamin tablets and that kind of thing. There's a lot of research that has been done, um, you know, very high level by very um, good scientists around the world um, after the injections who knew that they were doing harm. So there's lots of peer-reviewed research that's been done. And they found they have found a lot of ways that actually you can detox from um, the injections, haven't they? So this isn't just about, you know... Yeah. Yeah. Now, I do want to say that, you know, it's actually these these uh, injections are totally new technology. We are aware that they have the capacity to change our genes. And so it, it isn't possible to say at this point that one can totally prevent disease. One cannot say that we can cure anything with uh, with detoxing. Yeah. So, um, you know, Whilst there's uh, there is evidence uh, coming forward and um, uh, new supplements and things that are being um, developed from around the world, and that's part of our function is to collate all these different detox protocols and uh, suggestions of things that are helping. We aren't in a position to say that anything is going to work 100% or even 50%. And we need the public to realize they have a role to play here. If they are taking something or they have, you know, if they sign up to some or, or, or take on some sort of protocol, and we will have a booklet of different protocols that have been suggested by our health professionals around the world. Um, you know, if they find, if they sign up to one of those protocols, then it would be great if they did participate in uh, uh, people's uh, research databases like the vaxcontrolgroup.com uh, uh, and, and, and give their feedback on what, what is working and what isn't. And in that way, everybody uh, can play a role in helping others at this time to say, look, this works, this doesn't, and so on. We need your help. Yeah. And Tess, um, I think it's important to say as well, you know, my heart and I know you've, you will feel the same goes out to people who got the jab under uh, good um, intentions. You know, they thought they were helping other people who are now very, very worried indeed um, about the health. Uh, you know, it, it, it was a terrible position to be in. Um, but, you know, you, you, there are things you can do that might, and like Tess was saying, that might be able to help you. So please go to the WH, uh, WCH, not w, definitely don't go to the WHO, go to the WCH website, that's the World Council for yeah. Health, and you'll be able to find out more details there. And also, um, as we've said, Nick will be, I'll come to you in a sec, Tess, um, <laughs> Nick from the World Council for Health will be on in the next couple of weeks as well to give more details. Um, Tess, um, a final say before we go over to the, the the news headlines yeah i just want to say we're all in this together you know there is a sense that uh well i'm okay if i wasn't vaccinated it's not really the case we all need to actually take steps yeah. to optimize our health right now there is information that the vaccines actually shared or transmit and so uh everybody so and people are having symptoms of illness uh, uh with, even though they haven't been uh, vaccinated so we're all in this together and we need everybody to actively uh, engage and work on what has been spoiled and take uh, control of, of our health. Thanks very Fantastic. much. Fantastic. Dr. Tess Laurie, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, Tess, we'll have to get you back on again soon and good luck with all the work, great work that you're doing at the World Council for Health.
Right, okay, to the rest of you, we're not leaving the World Council of Health because our next um, guest is Shabnam Mohammed, who's a member of the steering committee um, on the World Council for Health. So we're going to be talking to Shabnam about the WHO and whether we're actually a member of that organisation. So don't go anywhere. Stay right there with us here on TNT. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Well, the gals at The View were at it again, specifically Joy Behar, who defended Joe Biden on his memory and his memory issues before actually asking a legitimate question. And by the way, before I continue with this, why did, would he want to remember the day that his son died? Why? You want to block that out of your head. You want to remember no, when he, he was I, alive. I, I, so I, I, wait, hold on. The fact is getting, that fact is getting completely buried. Okay, so he mixed up the names of a couple of people. How big of a problem is this going forward in this election for Biden? And Sonny Hostin took the question and ran with it. I think it's significant, actually. And, you and, and, you know, to mix up the president of Egypt with the president of Mexico, because his name sounds like Sisi, I, I, that, that's bizarre. And, and what are the two names? They, they Obrador. The CC and Obrador. It's not different. super close. Yeah, they're pretty different. <laughs> and the other thing is, what the report said was um, he could not remember when he was the vice president. Wow, looks like Sonny wants Biden out of this race. And she has a plan. There's an off-ramp here, and I think one of the off-ramps that we need to think about is once all of the delegates are are received, the dem the DNC will be certifying the delegates, right, um, and the count. And Gavin Newsom can be swapped out if Joe Biden decides to or step another side or it another can candidate. Be done. When the crew on the View is openly talking about Biden dropping out, it's only a matter of time. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. Last week, Brandon met a girl on a dating app. One day after work, he finally found the courage to ask her out. No answer. He started to panic. Was he being too pushy? Maybe it was too... Hey, sorry I didn't respond. I was driving. I would love to go on a date. How does tonight sound? Brandon tried to play it cool, but inside he knew. A girl so smart, so responsible. She must be a keeper. The conversation continues with James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Shabnam, um, thank you so much for coming back on the Freeman Report. You are, of course, you're very familiar with the show. You've been on many times before. Um, so Shabnam Mahabid, everybody, um, from the World Council for Health. Now, Shabnam, let's dive straight in. I don't think you need an introduction. Let's talk about the WHO, because there's a lot going on at the moment. And... Um, I was actually unaware. Um, I'm aware of obviously the the pandemic accord and the the attempts to change the international health regulations, but I was unaware until I spoke with you very recently about um, this research that's been done, which actually questions whether we're even a member of the World Health Organization. Tell us um, what this UK organization has found out. So thank you, James, for the opportunity to be on your fantastic show. So the people's lawyers who are based in the UK, their extensive research has uncovered uh, that not only was the UK unlawfully signed up to the WHO constitution and is therefore not legitimately a member state of the WHO, but all countries, in fact, should be examining the fraud of how they ended up in the WHO. When you look at how the WHO was actually formed in a, in a post-war era, it certainly looks very suspicious. There are procedural irregularities. There are people who were seated at the table that were not mandated legally and officially to do so. So there are all these questions that arise which give, which give us a real opportunity to ultimately 
not only fight the IHR amendments or the new pandemic treaty, but to withdraw from the WHO. And it couldn't come at a better time when you look at all of the countries that are making objections, uh, reservations to amendments, and considering whether they want to be part of these cartels that inevitably only serve the interests of the parasite class. Yeah, and, and, you know, and the WHO is not what most people, I think, in the world think it is. Um, you know, I think most people's impression of the WHO is of an organisation that brings clean drinking water to villages in Africa. And, and, you know, and once upon a time, it did actually do that kind of work. But these days, you'll know, Shabnam, that um, two thirds of its funding comes from NGOs and billionaires, the corporations. Um, and, you know, the the WHO's mission now really is very, very aligned with Big Pharma and the corporations, which is all about pushing these medicines. Now, Shabnam, tell us what's the latest with the WHO? Well, they're running scared, James. This is some very good news for us. Intermittently over the last perhaps year or two, we've heard Tedros being trotted out to talk about the misinformation and the disinformation, but it's becoming increasingly um, worried. They sound increasingly worried about the resistance that we've put up to what we clearly know is a threat to our health and freedom and sovereignty, which of course they completely deny. And the most recent example of that uh, would be Tedros speaking at a World Government Summit. I mean, that doesn't sound very worrying at all. But in this World Government Summit that happened just this week, he talked about how we were completely unprepared for the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, he talked about the need to be prepared for the next one, which they've uh, given a placeholder name of disease X, for which they're already developing um, you know, vaccines, etc. But he also spoke about two challenges to the agenda of the WHO's funders, or if you prefer, handlers. The one being a group of issues on which countries have not yet reached consensus. He says they're making progress, but there are still areas of small difference that need further negotiation. None of them are insurmountable. And of course, he's asked for countries to make concessions, sort of a give and take. But given the power dynamics and the imbalance in whose voices are actually properly heard at the WHO or the United Nations, or the IMF, the World Bank, uh, certainly that's not going to be fair to countries that don't fall within the sort of privileged class or governments anyway, mm. because governments are not their people and people are not their governments. Now, the second issue that he raises um, is the misinformation where he says, we cannot allow this historic agreement, this milestone in global health to be sabotaged by those who spread lies either deliberately or unknowingly. Uh, WHO did not impose anything. We don't have the power to do that. On that, he's correct. It's our treasonous governments that, in fact, enforce lockdowns and all of the other nonsensical uh, measures that they put in place. But they did so using the recommendations of the WHO, which at no stage came out and emphatically corrected themselves to say we were wrong about lockdown, masks, social distancing, uh, blocking access to treatments that work such as ivermectin and certainly about these injections which were neither safe or effective or affordable and so this uh, charm offensive at the one uh, you know one government summit was certainly quite telling 
He was appealing to those attending to, in fact, rescue this agreement. He emphasized that the agreement, being the pandemic agreement, affirms national sovereignty and national responsibility. I do think we need to spend half our time looking inwards at our own governments and the roles that they play, even without a WHO. Would our governments do what they did to us the last time? That's a very important question for us to look at. When I looked at the reaction of those attending this conference, they didn't look very convinced uh, by his speech, which certainly shows there's mutiny in the ranks. The WH, of course, has been involved in historical failures, even prior to COVID-19, on the fake H1N1 uh, pandemic and uh, nuclear and the, you know, the tobacco crisis, then the scorecard and COVID-19 complete failure. And I agree with you, they are good people working on the inside and we, we salute them, mm. but they need to speak yeah. out about the racism and the corruption and the mismanagement. And of course, where they want to take us to. But of course, we're all working as individuals, groups and organizations and as a movement to extricate ourselves from the WHO and to find a better way forward for help. Yeah, it's definitely quite worrying, isn't it, when they say they they were unprepared because the things uh, I've just made some notes here, you know, the things that they did recommend, like lockdowns, the vaccines. I mean, the vaccines cost billions, right? There were loads of profits made from that. The lockdowns um, killed the economies of the world. It's one of the reasons that we're seeing high inflation now and all the problems in our health services. And when you look at all the damage, you know, not just economic, but the social damage now that, um, you know, I don't think there's many people who can say that lockdowns were a good idea and actually argue that case credibly. Um, we've seen, you know, kids' education ruined. We've seen, you know, um, anxiety among UK children now is is up. That That's across the board we're seeing that. Um, after they should have shut the schools down. So the damage that's been done um, on the policies and they are saying they were unprepared, God knows what policies, you know, they're going to come out with and the damage they could have done. So it is very, very worrying. Um, Shabnam, let's move on, though, um, from the WHO. Let's talk about these South African court cases, because this South Africa has been really, really important, I think, over the past um, couple of years. Um, it's doing some really good stuff um, there, the Stop the Shots campaign. Tell us the latest coming out from South Africa. Well, there are two cases, at least, that we can talk about today. The one is a Stop the Shots court case that I am involved in here in South Africa, representing an NPO called Transformative Health Justice, we essentially lodged an ap application calling for interim relief, which is an interdict on the rollout of further COVID-19 vaccines, pending proper, independent, and no conflict of interest investigations into safety and efficacy. Part A of the application was heard last year. Part B has not been heard yet. Uh, we're still awaiting judgment on Part A. But certainly the deluge of evidence that's been coming out, as well as the experiences of those who are vaccine injured uh, from disabilities, chronic illnesses, and of course death, uh, certainly is going to get to the attention of the judiciary as well. We know some of them are also injured by the COVID-19 injections, and we encourage them to speak out. The case is largely based on the precautionary principle, um, but it's also based on research, scientific evidence, the lived experiences of those who are suffering, clinical evidence provided by doctors and evidence on conflicts of interest within the South African uh, health sector as it relates to Big Pharma and the WHO. 
So we're not sure when we're going to get a judgment on that, but we certainly are winning in the court of public opinion. Uh, uptake for COVID-19 injections has never been lower. As you know, James, uh, in Africa, mm. the uptake has been the lowest around the world, highest rates of recovery from COVID, a general distrust in government, always a healthy position, and a reliance on indigenous medicines, which I think is also what saved us in many ways. Um, but, but you know, the other case is the HJI case. This is the Health Justice Initiative. Uh, and this case was heard in August and a judgment was handed down on COVID-19 vaccine contract secrecy. It's being billed as a victory for democracy. And I'll come back to my thoughts on that one. But, but what actually happened was the Health Justice Initiative took the Minister of Health uh, and the National Department of Health to court and they uh, requested access to the COVID-19 contracts. The courts are being lauded for upholding the principles of transparency and accountability. And um, the moment comes as we begin to emerge from the devastation of the COVID-19 pandemic. This is what the HJI statement um, on, this, on this particular court case mentions. Uh, interestingly enough, it does uh, highlight the current pandemic treaty negotiations where worrying attempts are being made to water down transparency. So even amongst those who may be seen on the other side of the fence in the health freedom movement, who went along with the COVID-19 narrative, also have concerns about pandemic treaty and um, transparency. So some of the worst uh, terms in this particular uh, batch of COVID-19 contracts, and I'll talk about the um, Pfizer ones in particular. Of course, we know there's J&J, &J, et cetera, et cetera. But some of the clauses that have got the attention of people like Mark Sexton from the UK, who did a video about it a couple of weeks back when they learned about these South African contracts in the court case. Uh, one of the terms says that the long-term effects and efficacy of the vaccine are not currently known, and that there may be adverse effects of the vaccine that are not currently known. And this is why governments and the media and the, and the you know, compromised scientists went out and guaranteed us that these injections were safe and that there were no adverse effects for us to worry about which as we know from websites like savers.co.za, which is our own independent adverse events reporting system in South Africa, the adverse events are absolutely horrific. Other terms in the contract include the government agreeing to indemnify, defend and hold harmless Pfizer and its partner BioNTech and their representatives from any and all suits, claims, actions, demands, losses, damages, liabilities, settlements, penalties, fines, costs and expenses. So quite a complete uh, blanket indemnity then, of course, it established through these contracts a vaccine injury no-fault compensation scheme, which means that our government, in other words, the people, would have to uh, pay for victims, the families of victims and the survivors of the COVID-19 shot. Mm. This is not happening, James. Only three people have been compensated in South Africa. So there are many terms within these contracts that are deeply disturbing, including the fact that South Africa paid more than some of the other countries in Europe, for example, which, of course, brings up questions of debt slavery, right? You indebt a country and then you say, well, we're here to collect. Here's the last point I want to make on this mm -hmm. one. The, and this is from an interview I did with a whistleblower in 2022. Some of the terms that Pfizer was trying to negotiate are an actual and absolute threat to sovereignty. What Pfizer tried to do is to say, to include a clause in the contract that would hold as security our country and other countries' national assets, such as military bases, such as reserve banks, uh, of course, billions in cash and blanket uh, indemnity. This is the sovereignty of a country that we're talking about. 
Now, our former health minister said we didn't sign up to that contract. Personally, I wouldn't believe it until I saw them because these contracts are heavily bound by non-disclosure agreements. Argentina and Brazil also had a similar problem with Pfizer trying to capture country sovereignty by saying, well, if you can't pay, we'll take your national assets. So we're looking at colonization through corporates. We're looking at medical imperialism. Uh, and until we have full disclosure, which I don't believe we currently have, even in the South African case, we have to remain alert and we have to continue resisting and we have to get radically healthy. We definitely do. And look, I don't think it matters um, what your view is on the vaccines, right? Even if you still think that they're a good idea. These contracts that most countries, um, you know, they're totally redacted. The public cannot see them. It takes our money as taxpayers um, and it hands it over to the um, these pharmaceutical companies. With the public, we're not allowed to see what these contracts are included in, in them. And when thing goes wrong, when anything goes wrong, it's us also that are supposed to pay for it. It is wrong. Um, the principle of the whole thing is, is wrong. Doesn't matter what you actually believe in terms of the vaccines. Um, Shabnam, I'm really sorry we have run out of time and um, we'll have to get you back on soon to talk about the great free set. We were going to talk about that today but thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge um today ladies and gentlemen shabman uh, mohammed um and to the thank rest you, of you James. don't go anywhere stick with us right here on tnt